You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. All right, we're talking about the great doctrines of our faith and their relevance for our lives. Been a couple weeks since we've been together. Uh, Last Wednesday was the closing service of our Global Impact Conference. By the way, uh, the folks we brought in for that Global Impact Conference, uh, we had folks from all over the world. They uh, loved being here. They loved being around you. They were blessed. They were encouraged. Um, they, they just loved it and, uh, they loved, you know, going to the beach, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. And, uh, we, uh, Chris Wallace, and his wife, Christy from North Dakota, I think they ate seafood almost every meal. So, uh, they wore Stubies out over there on the Island and, uh, they, they loved it. And I get it because when Claire and I lived in the Memphis area, when we come to see family in Florida, we'd eat seafood every meal, uh, cause we missed the seafood so much, but they had a great time. And again, uh, thank you for your participation and your prayers. It was a really encouraging week, challenging week um, for our um, church. So we'll do it again next year. In fact, I've already secured a speaker for that Sunday morning. Uh, we'll do it about a year from now. And, uh, and so it's going to be a great time uh, next year. All right, if you can open your Bibles to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. That's where we will begin. We've been talking about the doctrine of God, and we've divided the doctrine of God up into two headings. And this is classic theology. If you read a a systematic theology book, you'll see these two headings. It's pretty standard. The two headings are the nature of God and the works of God. Nature of God is simply who God is works of God, what God does. So we've been talking for uh, a while now about the nature of God, who God is, what He is like, what are His attributes. We've been discussing those. And underneath the heading of the attributes of God, there are two categories. Uh, We've called them, anybody remember the two categories? Communicable and incommunicable attributes. So uh, we know the word communicable because of diseases. You know, we know that COVID is a communicable disease, correctly. It can be spread and so when we say God's attributes that are incommunicable, we're talking about those things that are um, His alone, that we cannot uh, share or live out. For example, God is uh, omnipresent. We can't do that, right? We're here in the fellowship hall uh, at, you know, 611, and we can't be in the sanctuary at the same time. We're, I mean, we're here, and we're bound by space and time. God is not. God is everywhere. But, so we can't, we can't share in or live out omnipresence, right? Uh, but there are some communicable attributes, things that are true of God, that we can live out in a finite way. Not perfectly like God does, but we can, uh, as we embrace the Lord and walk with Him, we, He can begin to, to uh, live out those things or, or, or produce those same attributes or traits in us, in our Christian lives. So uh, I've filled in the blank from what we've done in the past. So if, you, if you've missed a, a night or two, there are some um, 
some verses there that you can look back if you want to go back and, and look at some of these things. But we talked about the patience of God. We said that God is love. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is good. Tonight we're going to do two more. And then we'll be through talking about the communicable attributes of God. And then we'll start next week talking about the works of God. And I'm excited about that. What, what, what God, what's God done in human history? What's God done uh, in, in terms of His works and His ways? And so we will discuss that next week. But tonight we want to look at these last two communicable attributes of God. This is not an exhaustive list. There are other things we could add. But I think this is a good, uh, a good standard summary of His uh, communicable attributes. So, uh, the next one on your sheet is God is faithful. God is faithful. I love talking about, I love singing about, I love thinking about the faithfulness of God. It's just such a, a wonderful, beautiful theme in Scripture. And look what it says there in Psalm 36.5. This is David, uh, written for the choir master, and it says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. That's, that's pretty magnificent. His love is as high as the heavens. And your faithfulness to the clouds. A very poetic way to say that God's faithfulness goes on and on and on. It's, it's far above us. It reaches to the skies. It reaches to the clouds. A, a way to say that God is marvelously, wonderfully faithful. So what does it mean that God is faithful? Uh, here's a, a kind of a definition from A.W. Pink. I think it really sums it up well and is, is a really a beautiful statement. God never forgets, never fails, never falters, and never forfeits His word. God never forgets, never fails, never falters, and never forfeits His word to every promise. This is, is critical. To every promise and prophecy, the Lord has exactly adhered. So when God says something, He always comes through. Every, every prophecy He makes, it will be fulfilled or has been fulfilled. Every promise He makes, it has been fulfilled or will be fulfilled. God always comes through. He never fails. God is faithful. In other words, you can count on Him. Right When God says something, you can count on on him. So what are the implications for our lives? Because I don't want us just to talk about doctrine and theology and, and not think about how this affects, you know, Thursday morning. What, what does this mean for our lives that God is faithful? First of all, it means that God, and this is, this is, a, this is a really strong statement, but I believe it's a biblical statement. I'm going to show you that in a moment. Um, and and it, it, may, it may be kind of a head scratcher for you, but, it, but if you think about it through a biblical lens, this is true. God has never let you down. God has never let you down. He's, he's never not been faithful to you. He's always lived in complete faithfulness to you. He's never let you down. Now, I haven't said, or I didn't say, that you haven't gone through hard times or you haven't dealt with some difficult things. That's not what I said at all. I just said God has never let you down. And let me show you this in the Scripture. Turn to Lamentations, right after the book of Jeremiah written by Jeremiah, Lamentations chapter 3. I don't know if you've read Lamentations lately, but it is a depressing book. That's why it's called Lamentations. The word lamentation means to weep, to cry. And if you read the book, it'll make you want to weep and cry. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's Jeremiah lamenting over the state of, the, of God's people because they rebelled against him and God sent 
you know, foreign nations against them to overthrow them and take them into captivity. And the nation of Israel was in ruins. And, and Jeremiah is greatly distraught by this. So chapters 1 through 2, uh, 4 through 5 are just, they're really tough to read, really difficult uh, chapters to read because they are, they are really quite depression, depressing. It's, it's a book called Lamentations. But right in the middle, right in the middle of the book of Lamentations, where Jeremiah is recognizing all the suffering going on among the, the people of God, the hardships they brought on themselves, right in the middle, there's this, this shining star. There's this beautiful passage where Jeremiah is reminding himself and reminding the reader that there is hope because God is faithful. And look what it says in Lamentations 3, verse 22. Lamentations 3, verse 22. Right in the middle of this this weeping and, and sorrow, he says, "...the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end." They are new every morning. Great is your what? Faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. What, What is Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah understood that God promised to not completely destroy the Jews. Right? Because God made a promise to Abraham that through your descendants, the Jewish people, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth, which was fulfilled in Jesus coming and dying on the cross for the sins of the world. So if God, in judgment, completely destroyed the Jews, he cannot keep his promise to Abraham. He would not be able to send the Messiah through the Jewish people because the Jewish people would be decimated. They would no longer exist. And all throughout the Old Testament, God gives us little hints of this. For example, over in Isaiah, he says... Uh, to, to his people, I'm going to cut down the tree. I'm going to cut down the tree. There'll be a stump there. I'm going to leave a stump, and the, the seed is in the stump. That stump's going to, going to preserve the nation of Israel. I'm going, to, I'm going to leave a remnant there, and eventually that remnant will grow again, and, and through my people I will send a Messiah, the Holy Seed, he calls him in Isaiah. Same thing here. Uh, Jeremiah is saying, it looks really bad, It looks really depressing. It looks like this is the end, but I'm resting on the promises of God. I know He is faithful, so even in the midst of the sorrow, I can trust Him. Uh, Jeremiah understood that even in the hardship, God had not let him down. And you and I need to understand, because God is faithful, God never lets us down. If you are His child, if you go through hardship or suffering... God either causes it or allows it for a reason. And the reason over in James 1 is that he builds us up. He builds our character. He, he does something in us through sorrow and, and pain. And Romans 8 says he takes all that and works it together ultimately for your good. So, I mean, you can't lose, right? That God even takes the bad stuff, the hard stuff, and, and, and weaves it together in your life for good. So you can say, God is faithful. God, you've never let me down. Secondly, and this is similar, because God is faithful, you can count on His covenant. You can count on His covenant. Turn over to Jeremiah right before Lamentations. You're in the vicinity. Jeremiah 31, same idea. God had made a promise of 
restoring the Jews so he could send a Messiah. And when he sent the Messiah, who we know is Jesus, he was going to usher in a new covenant, a new promise that if you embrace the Messiah, you will experience forgiveness of sins. You will experience a transformed heart. You'll become a child of God. It's a new covenant. So, so God f- phrases the language of salvation around covenants. Covenants are found all throughout the Bible. And look what it says in Jeremiah 31, verse 35. Jeremiah 31, verse 35. Jeremiah, again, going through much hardship, seeing his nation decimated, looks forward to what God was going to do. And it says there, back up to verse 31, 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. That's the Ten Commandments, the covenant he entered into with them on Mount Sinai, the foot of Mount Sinai. Uh, the covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within, within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Here it is. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And Hebrews 8 tells us, that this new covenant was ushered in or inaugurated by Jesus. So he's talking about the salvation we experience through Christ. So here's what that means. If you've placed your faith in Christ, if you've been saved, if you've been born again, the promises here, the covenant God makes, is true in your life. Uh, verse 35, forgiveness of sins. If you're a Christian, if you place your faith in Christ, your sins are forgiven. Can I get an amen on that? It's a pretty big deal, Right? Because sin separates us from God. Uh, If you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, the law of God has been written on your heart. Not only do we have the word of God before us, we have a a tender new heart in which God has has wired in us his his instructions. Our heart resonates with, with the word before us because he's given us a brand new heart. And we are his people. We belong to him you can count on his covenant. And I love what 2 Timothy 2.13 says. It says, even if we find ourselves faithless. Have you ever, as a Christian, have you ever been faithless? You ever, you ever dropped the ball as a Christian? Raise your hand if you ever dropped the ball as a Christian. You ever messed up? Anybody in here messed up? Uh, I certainly have. You certainly have. We all have. You, I mean, you're a believer. You're saved. And you know what God expects, but you blow it. Right? You stumble. You fall. You blow it. Um, I saw this uh, little video, it was somewhere over in, uh, I think it was in the Middle East, but it was this, uh, this young shepherd boy uh, with this, this really narrow ditch along the side of the road, and the ditch went way on down the road, and he's pull, trying to pull one of his sheep out of the, the, uh, the ditch, and he's pulling on his back leg, and he's pulling on the sheep, and he finally frees him from this ditch, and the sheep takes off running, and he bounds once and bounds twice and jumps right back in the ditch. And the Bible calls us sheep, right? But here's what the Bible says, 2 Timothy 2. It says, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. He, he will not, he will not 
uh, drop the ball when it comes to his side of the covenant. He will do what he says he will do. And so you can count on his covenant, you can count on his promise. Third, he is with you through the battles of life. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 10. I want to show you how the faithfulness of God matters in our battle against sin. 1 Corinthians, this is, this is a critical, critical verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start in verse 12. He, he's talking about Israel and their rebellion against God and the consequences of that. And he tells us that he, the reason we're learning about Israel is so that we can learn from their, their example, their bad example. And look what it says in verse 12. This is a very important verse. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, he's saying, as you read about Israel and their sin and rebellion, don't think it can't happen to you. You know, a lot of times we look at Israel and we thought, man, what a bunch of troublemakers. I mean, didn't they get it? Hard-headed, I mean, stubborn. I mean, what's their deal? You know, and, and then we look in our own lives and we can see hard-headedness and stubbornness and... And, 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 and so uh, Paul here writing to the church in Corinth says, Don't think that you are beyond stumbling and falling. I read a book years ago called Beneath the Surface, a, a book written for men by a man named Bob Record. And I'll never forget, the, the one thing I remember about this book is one sentence. He says, we're all just one step away from stupid. Right? All of us. And so don't, don't think it can't happen to you. When you see a, another believer or another person fall into sin, even if it's very egregious and, and shocking, listen, don't think it can't happen to you. It can. You've got to be on guard. So what do we do? Well, look in verse 13. And again, this is connected to the faithfulness of God. No temptation is overtaking you that is, that is not common to man. In other words, everybody deals with temptation. I, I'll just remind you, Jesus dealt with temptation, right? He was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin, the Bible says. So everyone's tempted, every believer. Uh, we experience the, the pull of our old sin nature that will be eradicated when we get to heaven, but until we get to heaven, it's still there. And the way I like to talk about our old sin nature of the flesh is constantly kind of tugging on our sleeve, right? And say, hey, remember me? Remember how we used to talk? And remember how we used to think? And... Remember what we used to do? Remember how much fun that was? And, and our old sinners constantly tugging on our sleeve. Hey, hey, let's, let's get back to some things we used to do and the way we used to act. And, and that flesh is always trying to pull us in the wrong direction, right? So we have that. And, and then we have the, the message of the world, which is bombarding us with anti-Christian rhetoric. So we're, 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 just, we're inundated and desensitized by all of the foolishness going on in our ungodly culture. And, and then... Satan, who is crafty, a deceiver, a tempter, he gets involved in all that and tries to lure us, tempt us to do the wrong thing. So we've got temptation coming from all different directions, and it's common to everyone. So what do you do? I mean, are we, is it a lost cause? Are we, are we able to live a holy life in the midst of this Babylon? I mean, can we do that? Well, look what he says. You can because God is faithful. No temptation has overtaken you that is not coming in. God is faithful. How does, now, how does God show his faithfulness in the moment of temptation? Look what he says. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. All right, so he's not, he's not going, to, the temptation can be fought. You can say no, is what he's saying there. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So, when we are tempted, because God is faithful, listen, there's always a way of escape. Always. So when you feel the heat, the pressure of temptation, be looking for the escape route because it's there, because God's faithful and he never goes back on his word. He, he, never, he never drops the ball, right? He never falters. He never fails. If he tells you there's a way of escape, then there's a way of escape, right? And so be looking for that way of escape. He is with you through the battles of life, particularly the battle against sin because he is faithful. A lot of times, and this is important, a lot of times when we're in the moment of temptation, we don't, we don't take the escape route because we're not, we don't want to. <laughs> right? We don't even look for it. And we just decide to give in the temptation and we feel the consequences of that. And so, just remember, when you're tempted, there's always a way of escape. Um, the constant or the, the, um, the consistent uh, illustration of this is Joseph and David. When you juxtapose them, uh, you know, David was on the roof. He saw a woman bathing. He lingered. He called for her. He sinned adultery. Uh, he, uh, she became pregnant. He tried to cover it up. He murdered one of his 30 mighty men, Uriah, to cover up the fact that he was the father of the baby. It was just a, a sordid affair. And it, and it happened because David didn't get off, off the roof. There was a moment when the temptation was there and he could have taken the way of escape and gotten off the roof, right? Now what happened with Joseph? Joseph was cornered by Potiphar's, an Egypt Potiphar's wife and she thought he was a handsome young man and and uh, she wanted to do something indecent, moral with him. What did he do? He ran. I mean, he ran. He ran so fast, she yanked his garment off. He just left his garment behind. And he just ran. And so he took the way of escape, right? And the way of escape may just be run, right? I've told my kids that. Sometimes you just, if you're in a, hey, run. Just get out of there. Get, get away from that situation. So he is with you through the bowels of life. And then, because God is faithful, you can live with constant hope. Turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Speaking here of a relationship with God made possible by our high priest because Jesus is our high priest and he shed his blood so the veil's been torn in two. We can now go directly into the presence of God and, and uh, know him personally. And it says in verse 23... Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, this belief that salvation is found in Christ. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. We, because we know Christ, we know that this is not the end. We know that if we know Christ, we go to heaven when we die. Amen? That's hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised is what? Faithful. If God were not faithful, we could not be filled with hope. We'd be, unsure. We'd be wringing our hands. Like, I hope I go to heaven when I die. But because we know God is faithful and he told us we're going to heaven, if we know Christ, then when we die, guess what? We're flat going to heaven. 
because God is faithful. There's a connection here between the faithfulness of God and the hope that we live with. You can live with, with constant hope because God keeps his promises. I like this quote from A.W. Tozier. Only as we have complete assurance that he is faithful can we live in peace and look forward with assurance to the life to come. Every heart can make its own application of this truth and draw from it such conclusions that the truth suggests and its own needs bring into focus. The tempted, the anxious, the fearful, the discouraged may all find new hope and good cheer in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father is faithful. And so because God is faithful, we can have hope. God always comes through on His promises. So think about how that affects Christians walking through, I don't know, a pandemic. Right? I actually was thinking about this today. And uh, I was thinking about just my own, my own response to, to sickness and, and uh, you know, illness and COVID and all this kind of thing. And, and, and I, ha- I had this thought, you know, COVID, I, may, I, may, I could die from COVID. I could get it and I could die. Just honest, I could. I could die in a car wreck on the way home tonight. Right? I mean, I'm not guaranteed another blink of my eye, another beat of my heart. But whatever may come... I win because God promised that heaven is in my future. Amen? So because he's faithful, I don't have to. I don't have to. So whatever time God gives me, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life worrying and, and fearful and, and trepidation, wringing my hands. I'm going to just trust God. He's faithful. Amen? He's faithful. So God is faithful. So last, last communicable attribute and we'll be done. God is kind. God is kind. What does that mean? It means that God is kind in that he demonstrates affection, pleasantness, gentleness towards humanity. I had a hard time. I looked at some definitions of kindness because how do you, how do you define kindness? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to articulate, but you, you know it when you see it, right? When you know someone that's kind to you and you know unkindness when you see it. And by the way, our society is getting more and more unkind. It really is. It needs a good dose of kindness. Um, and, and so I think those words kind of sum it up. Affection, pleasantness. General, another word I saw in definitions of kindness is it's a consideration. You know, someone that's kind towards you is considerate of you, considerate of your needs, considerate of your feeling, considerate of, 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 of how they can you know, help you or bless you. Or they, and all those are, go into the word kindness. So we, so we know what that means. So let me just give you three thoughts about God's kindness. First of all, God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's part of the salvation process. Look what it says over in Romans 2, verse 4. Romans 2, verse 4. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance, which means patience, and patience, the same same idea, they're synonyms, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to what? Repentance, but, he says, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So Paul here is saying to the church in Rome, God is, God is showing you kindness in that he's provided a way of salvation. You're ignoring it. You're, many of you are stubborn, but, but know that because God is kind and he has your best interest, he, he, he has you in consideration, he is providing the salvation which will lead you to Repentance. And so God is 
kind, and that kindness leads us to a place of, of turning from sin and turning to Him. God's kindness, though, must be received. Look over in Romans 11. Romans 11, verse 22. Romans 11 is another sermon for another day, or another ten sermons for another day. A lot of good stuff in Romans 11, but it's a, it's a challenging chapter. And In uh, chapter 11, he's basically saying that God is, is grafting in Gentiles into the salvation tree. That's what he's saying there. And so that's good news if you're a Gentile, and I am, and I think most of us in here are, that God has provided salvation not just for the Jews. There'll be a great ingathering of Jews at the end of time. Uh, but he's also engrafted Gentiles into the, the, the tree. And that's, that's good news. But look what he says in verse 22. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. So here's the deal. Everyone's got to make a decision. Now, they may not make this decision consciously or think in these terms, but everyone on the face of the earth has to make a decision. Do they want to relate to God based on His kindness or His severity? And you say, well, how do I relate to God on his, based on His kindness? You accept His gift of salvation through Christ. If you accept His salvation through Christ, you experience the kindness of God. If you reject Christ, you experience the severity of God. The wrath of God, the judgment, that's, that's, that's terrifying, right? And so uh, his kindness is there, but it must be received. You know, have you ever tried to be kind to someone, maybe, you know, out and about, maybe in a store or maybe a family member, you try to be kind to them and they, they didn't receive it? They were ugly to you, right? Um, there's been times um, I've held a door open, and, and the person I was holding the door for him sneered at me. And I'm like, what is going on here? I was trying to be nice, right? And, and there are times you can try to be nice or say an extra word to the, you know, the person checking you out at the grocery store, just trying to be extra nice, and, and you know, they don't want to hear it, right? They, and, and we've experienced that. Or maybe you've been like that. Someone's been kind to you, and you reject their kindness. God is kind. He's provided salvation, but we've got to receive it uh, by receiving Christ. And then third, God's kindness should be present in our lives. So because God is kind, if we know Him personally, then that kindness, that attribute of God should start showing up in our lives because here's the deal. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God has control of your life, He's going to produce fruit through your life, right? What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, kindness. So if the Spirit of God has control of your life, you surrender to Him every day, the Spirit of God's working in you, through you, then He'll begin to produce God's kindness. And when people, people cross paths with you, they'll, they'll see not your kindness that you're trying to work up, they'll see the kindness of God. Let me tell you this. Uh, there are believers I know that, that love Jesus, walk with Jesus, or fill with the Spirit. You can see the kindness in their eyes, the kindness of God, because God's working through them so marvelously, producing that fruit of kindness. Let me show you one more passage. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Then we're going to finish and 
pray together. Colossians 3, verse 12. The, the context of Colossians 3 is, now that you're a Christian, act like it. That's what chapter 3 is, is about. We'll get to that too in Ephesians 4. But it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, here it is, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If, had a, if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Christians of all people should lead the way in kindness. And I've seen people through the years, I've been doing this a while now, I've seen people through the years that name the name of Christ that are as mean as snakes. Mean. Mean. And listen, you, listen, you can't walk and talk with a kind God without it eventually rubbing off and the Spirit producing it through your life. And so let's ask God to make us kinder, to reflect not our own worked up, fake kindness, but producing the kindness of God through our lives by the Spirit. And that kindness really makes a... I'm telling you this, if you're kind out there in the marketplace and you're kind in the workplace and you're kind in your family, you're going to get some attention because, again, there's such a deficit of kindness in our culture. So, God is patient, God is love, God is merciful, God is gracious, God is good, God is faithful, uh, God is... Kind, aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you glad that God is who He is? I mean, what an amazing portrait of an amazing God. And we get to know Him, and we get to share Him. We get to make much of Him. Let me pray for us, and Jeff's going to come up and uh, lead us in uh, praying for our prayer list, and then we will be through. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? We talked tonight about God's faithfulness and God's God's kindness. Which one of those did you need to hear the most tonight? Which one kind of resonated the most with your heart and your mind? Something you just needed to hear? Maybe something that encouraged you or, or reminded you of, of something important? And whatever that, whatever that attribute of God is that really jumped off the page tonight as you study, would you just thank God for, for, for who He is? Thank God for His faithfulness. Thank God for His kindness. Let's do it right now. Praise Him. Praise His name. He's worthy of our worship and praise. And would you ask Him to help you to see, to see with eyes of faith, His fingerprints of faithfulness and kindness everywhere. Father, we love you. We stand in awe of who you are. We praise your great, mighty, holy, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign, faithful, loving, gracious, kind name. We praise you. Thank you for this time together tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.